Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Behind the Hood Politics Bastards. Um, that's the one. That is the one. So we left off talking about Gary Webb's Dark Alliance article series. Um, and, and the primary gotcha that the story had was that it connected two right-wing drug-dealing Nicaraguans to the FDN, which is a group of what the Reagan administration called freedom fighters uh, fighting against the left-wing government of Nicaragua. And it showed yes. that these these guys tied to the FDN had somewhat inexplicably escaped prosecution for a weird number of crimes, all involving cocaine, while they were moving a bunch of cocaine into the U.S. And boy, that seems a little bit sketchy, right? Hmm. Um, now, this is the point, again, where we have to start talking about Nicaraguan history. So I'm going to I'm gonna yes. peel us back a little bit from the swinging 80s. Yeah. Uh, well, from the swinging 90s, I guess, yeah. To, yeah. to the also swinging 1960s. So this is the this is the uh, this is the intersection of the two yes. other episodes we've done. Here's where it intersects. Yeah, yeah. This is where Don't. it intersects with all. Ollie. Well, Ollie North's coming up, but this is the backstory okay. towards what Ollie's winds up doing. And oh in yeah, because I start in uh, episodes. Yeah, yeah. Because our episode starts in Iran. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So starting in 1936, Nicaragua is run by a family called the Somozas, who is it's one of these dictatorship families. It's essentially mm -hmm. like royalty, right? Like okay. that's what it is. They are right wing. Um, they exist to help a lot of different foreign companies extract Nicaraguan wealth uh, mm -hmm. and hand some of it to them while none of it goes to the people. And they're in power for 43 years. And the last Somoza who is in power is Anastasio Somoza, who's around from 1967 ish to 1979. He is the dictator um, in total. Again, the Somozas are there for like half a century. So you might think about the Somozas as kind of like the Assads, right? And yeah. Anastasio is a little bit like Bashar in that he is groomed mm -hmm. to inherit the kingdom. Yeah. Now, like most dictators, uh, Somoza assassinated political rivals, which included newspaper editors and people who attempted to engage in Nicaragua's free and open elections in a way that he didn't like. <laughs> As the Times wrote in a contemporary article, quote, the machinery of government was essentially geared to building up and ensuring the perpetuation of the family's wealth and power. As a result, the Somozas not only control much of the Nicaraguan economy, with interest in construction, shipping, airlines, television, and newspapers, farming, fishing, breweries, and mining, but the president's uncles, brother, cousins, sons, and nephews occupy key posts throughout the administration. 
Um, it's a kleptocracy, right? We all we, yeah. we're all familiar with this thing. Yeah. Um, and eventually, you know, people what people really don't like is when a specific family or a few families of assholes take all of the money and run everything and murder anyone who talks bad about it. Eventually, Seems to be across the board in every culture yeah. and time, people don't yeah. like this. People really yeah. don't like that. And yeah. uh, in in Nicaragua, once the people decided they had had enough of this. There's a revolution and a, a group mm -hmm. of leftists known as the Sandinistas, you know, starting as these kind of like guerrilla fighters and whatnot, overthrow his ass and take power themselves. Now, yeah. these guys are leftists, right? So being yeah. leftists, who are you being leftists in Nicaragua? What is a country you're probably going to want to have a good relationship with? Cuba, right? Yes. Um, pretty natural. Cuba has a similar history of this kleptocratic dictator getting overthrown by a left-wing revolution, right? Mm -hmm. um, Cuba's familiar, you know, friendly ideologically. They've got access to weapons and stuff through the Soviet Union sometimes. That And it's all close. of which, And it's <laughs> pretty close. All of which mm -hmm. is real good for the Sandinistas. Yes. So any normal person would be like, well, yeah, of course they're going to cozy up with Cuba. The U.S. security establishment loses their goddamned minds when this happens in like <laughs> 1979 um they don't see this as like well yeah they just overthrew this government who was friendly with i mean the u.s had a mixed relationship with samosa it's not entirely like but anyway yeah we've just overthrown this dictator these guys are our best friends in the area they can give us the stuff we need to help kind of rebuild and, and take our country back um the u.s security establishment these these paleo conservatives who were fucking taken over with the Reagan administration are like, this is communism taking hold in America's backyard. It's happening. Yeah. You'll, one of the things people will talk about in this period, there's this domino theory, right? That's why we, yes. Vietnam, it, people are mm -hmm. so fucking committed. It's same thing with Korea is this idea that like, well, if you let one country become communist, then everyone around them will fall, which a couple of things. Number one, I don't think this is actually true of state communism, but if there's no. an ideology that's so attractive that once one country does it, everyone around them starts doing it, perhaps that's a good thing. Um, maybe it's not that bad. Or maybe that's not the way it works because that's not the way it worked, right? Co yes. Famously, Vietnam, the communists won. And you know what didn't happen is all of Southeast Asia do exactly the same thing as Vietnam. Now, in a lot of ways, actually, Vietnam became a stabilizing force because they're the ones who move into fucking Cambodia and stuff after yeah. the Khmer Rouge lose their minds. So it's one of those things where the actual lived history shows that this is a terrible way to think of things because it leads you to commit to stuff like the Vietnam War, which is a fucking disaster. And it's mm -hmm. not accurate because countries can have left wing regimes go into place and Vietnam, big trading partner with the U.S., buy us weapons and stuff from us now. Like, it's not... You know, anyway, it's fine. Whatever. It's not, not that contagious, that's great, but it's, yeah, it's, it, but not, it's not it, contagious. It's, it's fine. It's, it's like, yeah, nothing about yeah. this theory of how domino like this domino. Nothing about this is right. And by 1980, it's obvious to everyone that it's not right because there's a lot yeah. of again, Vietnam are the ones who like put an end to the fucking Khmer Rouge, um, yeah. whatever. So. The Reagan yeah. administration doesn't take it this way. And they're like, no, no, no. We were never. The only thing that was wrong about Vietnam is that we didn't stay in there long yeah, enough. We right? should, yeah, we yeah. should. No, we just um, left early. We so, was good. If, yeah, there, if the American public would have been chill and just let us do the shit, we'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. again, this is not to whitewash anybody involved. It's just to point no. out that the theory of fucking the domino theory is fucking nonsense. And they know it at this point. Mm -hmm. Um. So that's the the justification for why we are need to back the group of kind of right wing militias that start forming up in Nicaragua after the Sandinistas take over. Yeah. This is not a lot of guys. Um, there's a uh, really just a handful of different bands of right wing, you know, revolutionaries. A lot of them are trained by the CIA and getting aid from the CIA. So the CIA has dudes in there who were helping to like train these guys up and kind of broadly. These different groups are known as the Contras, which I think sh I don't think I need to explain why they're called. The like, that's why they're called the Contras is because they're yeah. against the fucking the, the Sandinistas. Yeah. So 1981, which is the same year that crack made its debut in the West Coast, members of the Nicaraguan Revolutionary Democratic Alliance were meeting with CIA officers to plot the overthrow of their new government. One of these officers sent a cable to CIA headquarters to explain that the nation's new allies had opted to, quote, engage in drug smuggling to the United States in order to finance its anti-Sandinista operations. An initial trial run had taken place in July of that year, with cocaine being flown from uh, to Miami from Nicaragua via plane. 
Mm. Now, this cable, this is not like a, hey, great, our plan worked cable, right? This is framed as a warning. So they're not saying, hey, this is awesome. They're saying like, hey, by the way, you should know uh, Nicaraguan revolutionaries are smuggling cocaine in the United States and we have evidence that this plane got sent there, right? Um, it's, it's basically allegations of a wrongdoing within the intelligence establishment of an ally of the CIA. Mm -hmm. So of course the CIA does not do anything about these allegations, right? Because they are fine with it, or at least there's factions. The CIA is not a monolith. There's people who, which is not to say that there's people who don't like it because they're good people. They don't like it because of other reasons, but Mm-hmm. There's broadly speaking, because we're we'll talk about this more later, but the CIA is kind of having a culture crisis in this period, too, due to this, yes. some shit that's happened in the 70s. And yes. so there's two big, broad groups within the agency at this point that are kind of opposed to each other. One of them are what the other group kind of call derogatorily the desk jockeys. Mm-hmm. And they're the people who are like, shit can be done remotely. We don't need to have fucking, we shouldn't be sending in people and specialists. We shouldn't we be putting boots yeah. on the ground, right? Like there's other ways to influence shit. Like that's how we'll do it. And then there's the um, the cowboys, right? And I think yeah. it's obvious. The cowboys are the guys who want to do like James Bond shit, right? Yes. They want to be yes. machine gunning people and like having, yeah. Th- 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 those are the two different kind of factions within the CIA. And they are, so again, this, this warning isn't like someone being coy it's someone in the agency who's like i don't think this is good and other people in the agency are like yeah we're not going to do shit about that right like that's what's happening here yeah and you know uh how much was how many moving parts was happening in the story around this time it's like some fools just didn't even know shit was going on well and and and, and it's also we'll talk about this more it's a strategic decision to make sure some fools don't know what's going on because you want people who are honestly ignorant that you can trot out to answer questions right that's how you do this so there there are other allegations that start to filter out Uh, around the same time five members of a group called adren a-d-r-e-n it's a it's an acronym um this is like a right-wing group are accused of working directly with jorge morales who's a major drug trafficker Adrian is this mm-hmm. kind of democratic alliance. That's what they're framed as, right? As democratic saying yeah. that the Sandinistas aren't whatever. Um, who'd carried out the mission are disbanded in like 1982. But a lot of the core people there join the FDN, which we've talked about before. That's the Nicaraguan Democratic Force, which makes up the core of the Contras. Four of the five mm-hmm. Adrian members who had worked directly with cocaine smuggler Charles Morales or Jorge Morales remain associated with him and the CIA until 1987, Right. So when we're talking about yeah. the kind of links, it's not as simple as like this organization. It's not always as simple as this organization yeah. has this relationship with the CIA. It's, well, these guys are in this organization that's backed by the CIA and they know this guy. And then they leave to this other organization that's also backed by the CIA and they take yeah. their connection with him there. Right. And he's moving mm-hmm. cocaine and like they're getting money through it. So in the summer of 1984, Marta Healy, uh, who was a wealthy Nicaraguan exile, she had she supported Somoza. She was a big fan of that dictator. She holds mm-hmm. a meeting at her home in Miami with two Contra representatives and Jorge Morales, who by yep. this point is under indictment in the United States. And I'm going to quote from the Washington Post here. The Contra representatives were Octaviano Cesar and Adolfo Popo Chamorro, Healy's ex-husband. Both were working with Eden Pastora, a maverick revolutionary trying to open a southern front in the Contra's guerrilla war from a base in Costa Rica, in addition to the Contras based in Honduras on Nicaragua's northern border. The CIA had run out of money to support either group of Contras, and Congress refused to provide more until the next year. Despite their rift with the spy agency, Chamorro and Cesar said they asked a CIA official if they could accept the offer of airplanes and cash from the drug dealer Morales. I called our contact at the CIA. Of course I did, Chamorro said recently. The truth is, we were still getting some CIA money under the table. They said yeah. Morales was fine. <laughs> yes. I was like, like, yes, read like, please, if y'all, I don't know what order y'all hear in these episodes. I keep coming back to that. But like, at I this this time, will be two and then yours will be three and four. And then, Oh, okay, yeah. cool. So then, so then y'all will, that makes sense. yeah, so then y'all will see as we, as we uh as this episode unfolds or this series unfolds has he saying yeah you know the cia is you know we getting money from them we're not like we're not supposed to be funding them yet like mm-hmm. this like this is all under the table oh, yeah yeah this, this is, is illegal like sketchy the, and illegal as fuck <laughs> yes america <laughs> has and literally made laws that said yeah. hey you can't fund them yeah like all right we'll, we'll get and they're to sitting that. down like no we're getting the money yeah no, we're so the money. it's fine yeah, it's fine we're not supposed to be paying them anyway 
No. So, I mean, what the difference is if they pass back and crack? And, and again, you, know, you see a lot of the way this happens. It's like there's this lady and she's rich and, and yeah. she's got some money and, and maybe she gets kicked some money on the side by the CIA to help fund these guys at a private party at her house. And, yeah. you know, that's the way all this flows. Again, it's yeah. never as they, they the, like these guys are one of the things you have to keep in mind. And we'll talk about this in our Oliver North episodes prop is yes. that a lot of this is being done like the drug business. And I'm talking about outside of the drugs. I'm talking about like yes. the funding of militants where you've got all these different streams and you want a lot of shit done in cash and and you're laundering and filtering. One of the main differences is that because these guys are the government, they're all much worse at it than people in the drug game are. Right? <laughs> Which is why yet. we know all of this, right? Because yes. they, uh, they do the thing that Stringer Bell says you don't ever do is they take they all take notes on their criminal conspiracies. I just don't understand. <laughs> like... How y'all just writing all this shit down? Well, it, I mean, it's because they, a lot, most of the, you have to, one thing you have to keep in mind, and this is, again, something I think that folks on the left don't think about enough when they think about why the CIA is the way it is and what it does. There's a lot of people, there's people, particularly at the top, who are like soulless nightmare bureaucrats, but a lot of them mm. believe in what they're doing. A lot of these yeah, CIA so agents yeah. believe they're fighting communism. They're doing, And so they're, they're taking notes and writing it down because they don't think they're doing anything wrong. And they think that as government employees, you are supposed to document the good things that you're doing. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, no. uh, U.S. officials who took part in joint CIA Contra operations argued against the version of events that I have just uh, related to you without actually refuting it, right? Because they specifically yeah. can't argue against the facts. They just argue that this does not mean that the CIA had any role in the drug trade. Dwayne Claridge, at the time the head of the CIA's Latin American division, said that he, quote, certainly never dealt with Popo Chamorro, but might have met him and definitely didn't know Nor Morales. When Congress investigated this in 1987, the CIA claimed that just after this meeting, they decided never to work again with Costa Rican-based Contras because they'd figured out they were involved in the coke industry. So once it comes out that there's these, these very clear ties, they're like, oh, and then we decided not to work with them anymore. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, anyway. oh, I don't really know that dude, but... Oh, no. He when looked I sketchy, did, so we, we bounced, you yeah, know? Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, nah, once I found out, I was like, nah, I gotta go. Word. Yeah. Yeah, which, again, the sure. CIA are liars. It is yes. literally their job, right? They are yes. the CIA. No one should be yes. surprised by this. But it's worth delving into precisely why they decided to get involved in cocaine. Now, as we're going to discuss later, the agency has a long history of using drug money to fund their sketchy black op shit. They much preferred to get cash directly from the federal government. The CIA doesn't like doing sketchy drug things to fund stuff because that's a lot harder than the Congress just saying, here's billions of dollars yeah. to do sketchy yeah. shit, right? The CIA was way happier after, for example, 9-11 when suddenly they just get this like pile of funds. That's yeah. much better than doing fucking the coke, coke dealing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It is. They have a fucking older than a lot of the people alive, you know, making these decisions on the ground when the Contra shit comes up, the CIA has a very long history of funding their operations with drug money. Um, so obviously, <laughs> um, when Reagan took office, he called the the death squatters of the Contras the moral equivalent of the founding fathers. Yeah. Um, and, and he made the argument again that like, you've got to, you've got to stop the spread of communism by supporting anti-communist insurgencies. This becomes known as the Reagan doctrine, which is just a repackaged, uh, uh, uh fucking, uh, whatchamacallit? Moreau. Uh, uh, no, the things that fall over. Yeah. I mean, it's that too. It is, it is kind of a continuation of Mon Monroe doctrine, but it's a uh, domino theory, right? Domino theory. It's just yeah. a repackaging of that. Um, and he does all over. He does argue for direct open aid rather than drug like trying to fund this shit through drug yeah. money. Reagan and the CIA want this shit to come straight through Congress. Yeah. But after he gets elected in 1980, the GOP like he has those first couple of years, which is when a lot of this stuff starts to ramp up. Right. And the yeah. CIA is pumping a lot of money into the Contras. But then in 1982, the Republicans lose the Senate and the House in the midterms. It goes mm -hmm. really fucking badly for them. And they immediately stick a big rubber. Uh, why did I say a big rubber rubber cock in the in the Reagan White House? They 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 immediately decide to like stymie the Reagan White House, and they pass something called the Bolin yes, Amendment. Robert, I don't know. Why I was. Did you? They immediately. The way I, I wrote this at like three in the morning. For a minute. They, no. 
The, the line as plugged. I originally wrote it was they immediately stuck a big rubber cock in the Reagan White House by passing they just the Bolton plugged up I'm gonna be Reagan's honest with you. Just with a big old rubber. Uh, I'm sure I had a bit to extimp at on this, but I have forgotten what that was. Please, oh please my tweet lord! Your but, theories to us on Twitter. I would love to know. Oh yeah. man, this is so. I mean, great. I think I meant like they fucked. They fucked the Reagan White House. That's right, what he's trying to say. Right, but you but didn't. That's a bad that, way to do it. What you wrote? God, what a like, hack man, and a what? fraud! What a tragic fuck up I am. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> So the Boland Amendment. But the, the Bolden, yeah, we yeah, yeah we go an extensively we'll, yeah, on that we'll, 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 yeah, we'll talk about that more later. But basically, for now, what you know, it it restricts the activity of the CIA and the DOD and foreign wars, Department of Defense. So the amendment is written with the Nicaragua, with Nicaragua specifically in mind, um, and it makes it harder to fund things. Um, and the justification for this is again the fact that at the time, the justification as they're passing the Boland Amendment is that contrafunding comes in large part from the Nicaraguan cocaine trade. And this is, as we talk about in part one, 82, this is when the crack yeah. epidemic's starting, right? Yep. So that's all very much tied into this. Yep. Um, and yeah, this is the stew of affairs that in 1985, which is the first year that the big study on crack babies is published, we get the Iran-Contra scandal. And we're going to talk about that in uh, in your episode's prop, Yeah. Um, which you're going to start hearing tomorrow. I am going to peel back from that for now. So again, mm -hmm. we're a little bit not completely going along chronologically here yeah. because Iran-Contra deserves to be talked about separately. We're going to get to yeah. that in, in the next couple of episodes. What I want to talk about now on our show is the CIA's history dealing drugs to support their black ops because this is fucking cool shit, actually. Yes, yes. But you know what else is cool shit, Prop? Oh, man, tell me what else is. Oh, the shit. products and services that support this podcast, less than 20% of which are the CIA. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, man. And maybe, look, maybe look, not much less. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, there might be a percentage of um, uh, rubber Reagan clogging cocks, maybe. Well, and look, you know, there's a lot of things that 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 the CIA gets their hands in, including the VP. Well, actually, it was the FBI who created that VP nah, and all those people. Were yeah, using. yeah. I was like, nah, yeah. that was the FBI. Uh, no. uh, it is fun that they just get to do all that kind of shit. Anyway. I mean, it's it's a good, good reason to try hey, to apply to that job. Look, nobody nobody's going to try to sell you a mattress to fund the CIA. You're good on that one. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robey, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, we are B-A-Q. That's how you spell back when you're feeling saucy. So... Again, let's talk about the CIA. Again, like uh-huh. if you have any and any analysis on what's going on with Robert, please, please. He's feeling randy. Some of us, some of us are artists, Sophie. I'm, prou- I'm honestly, proud of you. <laughs> Congrats. Honestly, he's quite a wordsmith, and I still and also as 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 just stated, I think Randy needs to come back as I, I agree as an adjective. Randy and so I've made a big change. I think now that we've come back from break, I can talk about this because this is going to affect everybody, both in my personal life and who listens to the podcast. Prop, I've decided I'm going to start using the phrase cash money more often, particularly like when people do something that's not cool. I'm going to be like, that's not very cash money of you. I like now, that. Now, that's not very yeah. cash money, right. Sophie. Now, now, what what is your definition of that? Because my definition of that is not what you think it is. When you say cash money, I think wow. of like Lil Wayne, Nicki Minaj. I was like cash money cash millionaires. Cash money millionaires, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 That's, that's like a, that, that, that title's been taken is what I'm telling you. You really rained on my parade here, Sophie, and that's not very cash money of you. Wow. <laughs> wow. He used it I, in I a agree. Sense. Incredible. So let's talk about the CIA's history selling drugs. There we go. (laughs) From 1947 to 1951 in France, the CIA sent weapons and money to Corsican criminal syndicates so that they would use violence and murder to take control of labor unions in Corsica from the Communist Party. Right after World War I ends. You know what they sent them? They sent them cash money. They did send them cash money and cash gunnies. Anyway, Mm -hmm. these Corsicans wound up in total control of the city's docks. And when you run the docks, what what happens when you can run the docks? Who who remembers the wire season two, right? (laughs) You can move a shitload of yayo, right? You can get that fucking blow rolling. It's very easy. So, yeah, well, not just blow. This is actually not blow in this case. But the CIA is like, hey, we just funded these violent right wing gangs to murder all of the labor unions in order to take control of these docks. What if we started moving a shitload of heroin? What if we partnered with the Italian mob to move yeah. a bunch of heroin through these docks and then we made Marseille the heroin capital of all of Europe and maybe the world for a while, right? <laughs> so the CIA is doing this specifically because there's a lot of fucking money in that and they've just become an agency. They want to get that black budget rolling. They got gov- They got fucking Patrice Lumumba to murder in the Congo. They got yes. all these things to do. Um, we got... We got a lot of crime in to do, and we yeah. need to run our crime syndicate in yeah. the same way crime syndicates run a crime syndicate. Yeah, because there are literal business partners. Yes, <laughs> like this. I cannot stress this enough, behind the bastards, listeners. Yeah, <laughs> these like, are the angel investors. Honestly, the the uh, the heroin trade that starts up in the late forties, early fifties, it's kind of the same thing as like, okay, this is going on before the CIA gets involved, but it's a little bitty. It's like Facebook looking at Instagram and going like, yeah, we're gonna buy mm-hmm. this and make it big, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that. That's yes. what's happening here. Um, 
And like, I mean, I, I, I should, I, I want to apologize to the CIA. Actually, it's really unfair of me to compare them to Mark Zuckerberg. Um, so I do, I do, I do feel bad about that. That's a just, little bit unfair. Just kind of brutal. Just lowering them. I, I, I'm not apologizing because um, I. That was a joke apology, anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Marseille gets its first heroin lab at that same time, that same year, the Nationalist Chinese Army, which is a a right wing military force in China fighting in that whole thing, which the CIA had helped to build and arm, becomes the primary opium distributor for the Golden Triangle, right, which is this chunk Mm -hmm. of Southeast Asia that at that point is the source of the world's largest source of opium. So they've got again, when I say they're running this, they are controlling everything from supply through the nationalist Chinese army, which they have an interest in to smuggling, which the fucking mafia that they have an interest in is, is doing Mm -hmm. to distribution, which they run the fucking docks, right? Or at least their people do. Right. Yes. So in order to make this even more direct and obvious, the CIA uses air America, which is an airline they own to fly the drugs through Burma, Thailand, Laos, et cetera. Right. And, and into other places. Right. So again, this isn't just that like they have an interest they're not just helping like in Nicaragua, they're helping shit along, right? They're smoothing yeah. things. They're making problems go away. At this point, they're just straight up loading drugs with hair or loading planes with heroin, right? <laughs> like just with their logo on the side. And this is just this God. is also a big part of why they're doing this is this is how they're funding this nationalist yes. Chinese force they're funding, right? Like this is how they're funding. I think a lot of Operation Gladio, which we'll talk about one day. All of this drug money is 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 being sprinkled out along a bunch of stuff. But Mm-hmm. So things th- this th- this does make a lot of money for their black ops, but things don't go really well for the nationalist Chinese army. Um, that if you might notice, uh, that's not who winds up winning that that whole no. conflict. Um, and over the next twenty years, the U.S. steadily increased a series of disastrous military commitments in the region, which is you know Vietnam, Korea, all that good stuff uh, is kind of what happens after this 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 falls apart. So while many U.S. soldiers became uh, heroin addicts during their tours, that's a big thing that happens in Vietnam, right? Mm -hmm. You've got all these soldiers go into the Golden Triangle where the CIA had been moving heroin out of in order to fund the Nationalist Chinese Army. Mm -hmm. Now that's not a factor so much, but you've got a shitload of U.S. and other foreign soldiers in Southeast Asia fighting. A lot of them are getting hurt and they're being given opium. And when when the morphine runs out, when the docs aren't going to give them any more of that, well, they're in the heroin capital of the world. Um, and the CIA was not just kind of a passive, like, overseer of that. They operated a lab in Laos that refined heroin for profit. The heroin that was being sold to U.S. soldiers who came back to the United States addicted. By the time we pulled out of the region under Nixon, Southeast Asia was the source of 70% of the world's opium and the primary material driver of the U.S. heroin market. And the CIA had never not been involved. Right. They were yeah. they were they were guys every step of the way. Now, we could talk about Afghanistan and heroin and how boy, howdy, the same thing happened there a few <laughs> decades later. Huh? That's wild. But I think Sheesh. the point is made. The yes. CIA does not what they're not doing. They're not introducing drugs to populations in a concerted manner. The drugs are not being used consciously as weapons. The drugs are being produced and brought into places in order to buy weapons that they then give to people who do other series of crimes. The fact that populations are getting addicted and stuff is kind of a byproduct of the fact that they're trying to fund all of these revolutions and assassinations. So obviously all this shit we've talked about doesn't work out great in China where they don't win. Doesn't work out great in Southeast Asia where, again, things tend to be pretty disastrous for for U.S. interests during this period. But stuff had worked out really well in France for a while. The CIA had gotten their way there, and they'd funded a bunch of shady shit with the stuff they were moving through Marseille. Um, And the drugs, again, even in places where, you know, Vietnam doesn't work out, we lose. CIA still makes a fuckload of money, which they use to do a fuckload of shady stuff. And it's money that can't that they can deny. Right. So they don't have to admit they've used it for anything. They don't have to account for it. A lot of it presumably winds up padding pockets and stuff it's not like congressional money which there's a little bit more strings attached to so when the reagan administration to get back to the boland amendment when the reagan administration is like boy congress does not want to give us the money we need to overthrow governments and destroy you know uh socialist movements the cia is like hey guys we know how to make money hey we know how to do that kind of shit yeah don't worry about Um, it bro 
Yeah. Now, of course, that is uh, that is where we get Ali North, where we get Iran Contra. We're going to talk about that more uh, later on. I do want to note a couple of things about Ali that we don't get into in your episodes. Yeah, uh, please do. One of which kind of makes the point of how incestuous the U.S. ruling class really is. We've just talked about the Samosas. Ollie North, who goes to the U.S. Naval Academy because he's a fancy boy to become an officer, is close classmates with future Navy Secretary and Senator Jim Webb. Uh, they're boxing buddies. And Webb, of course, is a major political figure during all of the stuff that we're happen- that we're talking about is happening. Um, so I don't know. That's that's nifty. Um, yeah. I also wanted to talk. We don't talk much. We don't talk in your episodes about Randy Herod, do we? No, we don't. Yeah. OK, so. Randy, in Vietnam, Oliver North serves as a platoon commander. He wins a couple of different awards um, for gallantry under fire. He is a pretty good actual like combat soldier from everything yeah. I have read. Um, but he's also going to wind up lying when when the stuff you talk about in your episodes happens, breaks and Iran-Contra happens. Mm-hmm. He's going to wind up needing to puff his background up because he's yeah. dealing with a lot of criticism. And I want to quote from a 1987 Washington Post article on North that comes after the Iran-Contra stuff breaks. He was aggressive. When instinct told him to take cover, he charged. He reminded machine gunner Randy Herod of a Viking berserker, a fighter who would go against extreme odds and battle until he dropped. Now, that sounds like badass, right? That makes him sound cool. Yes, yes. If you don't know who Randy Herod is, at least. So the Washington Post is just talking to this guy and being like, boy, Randy sure loves him. In 1970, Randy Herod participated in the Sontang Massacre, in which a five-man Marine hunter-killer patrol gunned down seven women and nine children. They reported these dead women and children as Viet Cong, who had been killed in a firefight. They were court-martialed over this eventually, and Ollie North flew down to be a character witness to his buddy-slash-mass-murderer, Randy. Um, And then, of course, when Ollie gets in trouble, Randy goes in front of the media to do the same thing. He was free to do that, despite murdering a bunch of people, because he'd been acquitted. Now, he gets acquitted. The other guys in his unit, two of them gets five-year sentences, and one gets sentenced to life. So again, this happened, right? This is yeah. a massacre he and his boys do. None of them actually serve much time, though, because the major a major general reduces their sentences to less than a year, um, which is pretty fucked up, but whatever. Anyway, um, Ollie North, uh, good man, real, Ollie, real Ollie fucking Oxenfree. hero. Yeah, so I just wanted to get over that stuff a bit because you can't not read about Ollie North while you're reading about how the CIA and the crack stuff happens. And that brings us to an important point, which we do talk about in your episodes. This is not just the CIA, right? No. Gary Webb's articles focus on the CIA. The NSC, the National Security Council, just as bad, just as involved in this specific shit, right? Yeah. Now, in brief, the guy... Running the NSC, Bob McFarlane, has centralized a lot of intelligence corp, uh, like uh, collection, and Ollie North is the guy who's in kind of the center of this. Point man. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that that that's probably um, Ollie winds up working well ahead of like any of this stuff like happening um, in 1981. Right. This is kind of right as the the crack trade is sort of starting, and mm-hmm. the the Contras are funding themselves. Yeah. And Ollie builds a really personal relationship with a lot of these Contras. He does a lot of training and advising to them himself. And whenever opportunities pop up, he's rabid in urging the president to throw down with these folks. At one point, a North Korean freighter of guns is headed to Nicaragua to arm the government's forces, the Sandinistas, because obviously North Korea, Sandinistas have some yeah. interests in common. The CIA and the NSC guys are all debating what to do. So, like, they've got this. This is a sovereign nation. North Korea is allowed to go and sell guns to Nicaragua, yeah. right? Um, again, not a fan of North Korea. Bad government. But this is a thing. We do this. Why wouldn't they be allowed to? They're a country, too. So they're selling guns to the Sandinistas. And the CIA and the NSC are like, well, shit, we, we, we're we not, like, we can't let this, like, what do we? What can we do to stop this? Yeah. All these suggestions is, let's attack the freighter. Let's attack the freighter of a sovereign nation, steal their guns, and give their guns to the Contras. Other people are like, Ollie, that's literally just piracy. Like, yeah, that's, like, this <laughs> that's ain't just war. being a pirate. Yeah, yeah we're not one, at war. Like, this ain't your war. Yeah, yeah number yeah. two, yeah, that's... This, this is a problem if we do this, Ollie. There will be consequences if we just attack one of their boats. Yeah. Um, so nothing happens. Ollie gets overruled because people are like, that's kind of crazy, Oliver North. Like, you're kind of a maniac here. Maybe calm the fuck down. Yeah. But Ollie builds a really good relationship with Ronald Reagan. And the way he does this is he's he's incredible at lying. Um, 
he lies about he he gets Reagan to believe that he's run a special operations training detachment um, in his like during Vietnam. And he was basically coordinating special forces. And right. This is the time oh, Predator comes out. Right. Yeah. All of these movies lionizing the seals and the Green Berets yeah. are coming out in this period. Special forces is sexy. Ronnie's a movie guy. So Ollie is like, yeah, I was running special forces and stuff. Hey, in Vietnam. That? Hey, you see that movie with the that movie with like Rambo? Uh-huh. See yeah. that movie with like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, uh, yeah, I was, I was in the shit, man. I was over there, bro. Those movies are yeah. about me and the homies. Yeah, that's what I'm he's doing. telling Reagan. Yeah, essentially, yeah. And, and Reagan is a guy who's very vulnerable to stories. Again, he's he's an actor, right? Like, this mm-hmm. is the kind of brain that actors have. That's not a good or it's a bad thing in Ronnie's case, but it's just a thing. He's he's a he's a story, and he just gets enraptured by Oliver North, one of North's NSC colleagues. Later, recalled. Ollie was about 30 to 50% bullshit. He was notorious for constantly exaggerating his role in things. He was always coming from a meeting with the vice president. We checked once and he hadn't been to see the vice president at all. Wow. Um, and one of the interesting things, and we're talking about Ollie, we're talking in your episodes about Iran-Contra. Uh-huh. This is about the other smuggling he was into. That's yeah, not yeah, the yeah. extent, like that's why I'm getting into this. Yeah. Um, the executive secretary of the NSC, Rodney McDaniel, described North as a man of tremendous energy whose real talent, despite his action hero image, was bureaucracy. He had, quote, a good voice, no self-doubts at all. <laughs> he never thought about a thing. Yeah. Yeah. He was full of shit and felt great about it. Yeah. And and knowing how many moving parts all yeah. this shit has and yeah what he had to oversee there's no way he's not like a human excel spreadsheet no because and it's, he's it's too much to keep it's too much to keep organized yeah and he's yeah. ollie is particularly committed to the contra shit right the stuff yeah. that's, that's that he gets involved with in iran that's secondary to what is his real motivation which is helping these guys yeah um i don't know if that's because he was tied to them and it was a career thing or if he was he's legitimately a true believer and and sympathized with them but north is is really the driver of the whole administration's policy towards them. And when Reagan takes office, there's like 500 Contras, tops, right? Very Mm -hmm. few of these dudes, not really a movement. By the time North is in his first year at the NSC, there were like five or 6,000 of them, right? And of course they, now, now I should say this, they're almost never very good. They're about bad, not a good insurgent group. They're really ineffective the in amount a of combat money, sense. The yeah. amount of money we legally and illegally pumped down there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Over the amount of time that we was there, they was better yeah. on the video game than they was. Yeah. We did real not life. get much. Yeah. 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 Uh, so North throws himself into the Contra program. In the book Landslide, Jane Mayer, Mayer and Doyle McManus write, North's five years at the NSC were composed of manic days, weekends at his desk, and vacations not taken. On the fifth birthday of his daughter Dornan, one friend recalled, she called him three times, at seven o'clock, at eight o'clock, and at nine o'clock, and in essence said, Daddy, when are you coming home? And Ollie said, Don't worry, honey. Daddy's coming home as soon as he can. I've just got to finish this work. By the time he got home, she was already asleep, but he was willing to take time to get the job done. Not everyone admired this trait. He was always scheduling meetings on Sundays just to distress everyone else, CIA analyst John Horton grumbled. Others worried less about his workaholic devotion than his manic intensity. I used to keep Ollie out of Reagan's office because he was dangerous, Michael Deaver recalled. He scared me. He'd fly to Beirut, be back 24 hours later, and brief the president. Reagan loved him, loved the style. And again, there's factions in here, right? Everybody's not on the same fucking end of things. Um, So we're condensing a lot here, but as the years go by... Despite all this money, despite, despite how many of these fucking dudes there are, shit doesn't go well. The war, they don't take any cities. They don't take any serious territory. They're not winning battlefield victories. And Congress keeps stopping the administration from sending the money. They develop all sorts of fucked up workarounds. At one point, they get the Saudi royal family to cough up a bunch of money. They convince the Israelis to send them arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not enough. And of course, that, uh, that brings us to Iran-Contra. But it also brings us to another series of decisions that Ollie North makes outside of Iran-Contra that are maybe sketchier. And we're going to talk about that. But first, prop. Products? Props? Services? Maybe. Maybe, uh, I can't guarantee anything. No. I'm not the president, but 
You're not we'll Oliver see. North, man. You're not delivering <laughs> drugs. I'm going to twist some arms. I've been I've been arming some militant groups in the jungle that I'm hoping will be advertising on our on our podcast soon. So check out for that. Um, not really sure which jungle. I've just been dropping dropping cash <laughs> just, out of a plane just along the see, equator. See, one of these seeing jungles. what happens. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Here's ads. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So we're back. And there you go. We have, through this meandering story, the machinery of Iran-Contra, as we'll talk about, is starting up in this period. But Ollie, separately from anything that's going on in Iran, is trying to figure out, how do I keep getting money to my guys? And the most obvious way to do that is cocaine. A good example of this is the case of Carlos Albert Amador, a former pilot for the Southern Front Contras who flew secret missions for years out of the Ilopengo Air Base in San Salvador. In 1985, the DEA becomes aware that that this guy, Amador, is also transporting huge amounts of cocaine to Miami via Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. A CIA cable at the time quoted a DEA source who, quote, stated that Amador was probably picking up cocaine in San Salvador to fly to Grand Cayman and then to South Florida. So the DEA, their job is to stop drugs from entering the country, right? Yeah, that's what the DEA is supposed to do. Um, again, not an agency I like, but they 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 actually they job, do want to take this guy down. They yes. want to stop this guy because he's moving blow into the country and their job is to stop this guy. So they announce their intent um, through the different kind of uh, connections that law enforcement has that like we are going to have local police. Uh, and this is like in because he's, he's flying out of San Salvador. We're going to have local police in San Salvador 
look into this guy and we're going to help them. And this is going to be we're going to try and like bust this and stop this. Right. But the hangar in San Salvador that Amador is flying out is hangar number four. You want to know who owns hangar number four? Who owns hangar number four? Robert? Ollie North. Ollie, That's right, baby. Ollie oxen free. Uh-huh. Ollie North is the guy through the NSA, right? Is yes. the guy who who controls hangar four. Oh, Amador so has great. to ask permission in order to use it. Which he gets. I'm going to quote from a write-up by PBS here. When the CIA headquarters responded to the cable, this is from the DEA asking, can we go after this guy? It told its local station that it would appreciate station advising DEA not to make any inquiries to anyone RE hangar number four at Ilopango, since only legitimate supported operations were conducted from this facility. Now, (laughs) since we know Amador was flying cocaine out of this facility... And only supported operations were conducted from this facility. What does that mean? <laughs> hey, what look. does that mean? I wonder. Hey, look, everybody, when you when you go research and do your background checks on all the hangers, just skip number four because it's already cool. Yeah, Don't hanger number five. It. Look into that shit. It's like Mambo yeah. number five. You yeah, want to be like involved in that? One, two, Find three, a little bit five. of read up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, do all the research well before it's cool. Don't worry about it. Anyway, I think it would be so funny. I, and like I'm imagining, like an SNL style, like roundtable, sort of just stupid, like weekly office meeting, and yeah. it's like the NSC, CIA, DEA, right? And Oliver North, they're just sitting down, going through like line items, just like, yep, well, uh, hey, we got anything oh, yeah. from the DA? He's like, yeah, actually, man, um, we noticed uh, this plane coming in from South Salvador. And uh, I was carrying a gang of drugs. Stopped in Florida. So I think shitload we, of cocaine. Actually. Shitload of cocaine. I think. So I think we got a guy. We're probably going to announce on Monday. Mm-hmm. You know that this is the guy's face, and we're looking for him. You guys cool with that? And then the CIA going, yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, that that's actually going to be a problem. Yeah. Wait, wait, <laughs> nah. And they're like, what? What? Huh? You know what I'm saying? And, and this fool's like, hey, yeah, it's in hangar number four. You guys know who hangar number four is? It's that guy's. Wait, what? Yeah. No, it's not mine. <laughs> well, yeah. Wait, number four. In Florida? Yeah. Oh, no. No, no. Yeah, oh. no. You Don't go in there. Yeah. Yeah, no. Nah, I don't know, man. I think that's mine. But yeah, we're going to take down crime. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it just I mean, everybody be like, no, you can't. Well, no, this no, is, no, no, this cool. gets to one of the things. One of the things that's important to understand about the U.S. security establishment, right, is that, um, it, again, kind of it's often framed as this. There's there's this unified conspiracy to, like, do all of this fucked up shit. No. These guys, a lot of them hate each other because their their interests are contra, contra yes. to each other, right? Yes. The de- a lot of the information we have about how the CIA and the NSC helped fuel the crack epidemic and how they brought drugs in and to the United States, a lot of that comes from DEA agents who like some of them wrote books. Some of those books are yeah. questionable, but like it's a bunch of DEA agents go and like blow the whistle on this, not because they're heroic individuals, but because their careers and success <laughs> relies on bringing in cocaine and the CIA was stopping them from busting people. They spend job, resources. It takes time yeah. and money to track, to figure out who's doing it, where the, where like it, they spend resources and sometimes even lives yeah. going after this stuff. And then kind of at like the last moment get told, no, no, no. Don't go do that. Because we This guy's one ours. Yeah. Yeah. You're at the street level. Yeah. You're in shootouts. You're yeah. undercover. You lose friends. That happens you know to some of these. Like, and again, yet, and you're like the DEA, but you so, get why they're angry. Yes. You're trying to get the shit off the street. You're in shootouts yeah. with these dudes. And then you're like, wait, 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 wait. You the mm-hmm. plug? Mm-hmm. You been yeah. telling me the whole time you the plug? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was us. Sorry about oh, your yeah, best yeah. friend. But like, yeah. yeah, that's been us the whole time. Anyway. Yeah. So good job, though. Um, good job, though. Yeah, you good, got a great, guy. great work catching our guy. Uh, we mean, thought yeah, he was look. hiding pretty well, but no, you you found him. <laughs> we just locked up a thousand melanated people. You're doing a yeah. great job. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, the CIA denies any of this. Field agent Neves, N-I-E-V-E-S, uh, who we're, we're going to hear about a little later, tells PBS, you know, later when this article I just quoted from is written, that there is no way that the CIA would ever have overruled the DEA on something like this. Quote, this is this is from Neves. I was given carte blanche to do my job. Never once did anybody say anything to me about anything I was doing that was nothing but supportive. There was no interference. There was no there was no overriding priority. There was no competition. There was no anything except for support of the DEA's mission. And that's a fact. So that's a DEA guy being like, no, there was never nothing like that. Or sorry, that's a CIA guy being like, no, there was never anything but support for the CIA. We, we, we never did anything like that. 
DEA agent Hector Bareilles, who was also a field agent in the area at the same time, says this is bullshit. Quote, I know specifically that some of the CIA contract workers, meaning some of the pilots, were in fact bringing drugs into the U.S. and landing some of these drugs in the government air bases. I know so because I was told by some of these pilots that in fact they had done that. <laughs> it's um, like I'm telling you, man. It tell you, you just, hey, hey, what you got in that? What you got in that? Uh, what you got in that plane? Y'all bringing in? Oh, that's cocaine. Wait, what? Hella cocaine. CIA says yeah, fine. Yeah, coke. Yeah. yeah, CIA sent me down there, you know, let me hang out a few weeks since Salvador took the kids vacation. Yeah. Now I'm on my way back. Yep. Yep. Now, we're going to hear a number of very entertaining denials from CIA agents yes. over the course of this and the next episode that I do. But one of the best comes from this specific story, the tale of Ollie North's hangar. Former U.S. Assistant Secretary of State for International Narcotics Matters, Jonathan Weiner, Weiner? told PBS, if it's your Doesn't job matter. to check out food at the supermarket, you're not worrying about the person who's supposed to be stocking the shelves. It's not your job, right? That's why he's saying, no, there was no conspiracy here, right? Like, they just, you just miss stuff, right? If you're, as the as the CIA, we didn't know this guy was flying crack, cocaine. He was also flying other stuff for us, and we just didn't realize he was flying cocaine out of the same facility that he was flying guns for us from, right? Yeah. We And we, we our job, it's the CIA. We're not a drug interdiction agency. It's not our job to know about that. How could we have possibly been aware, right? That's literally what he's saying. Dog, um, how was I supposed to know that other box How could I have known? wasn't guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, Look, this there was is a not, box that said yeah. guns, and there was a box that said other. Mm-hmm. I'm looking yeah. for the gun box. What did you expect from me? We are we are here for the seafood. Yeah. The, the beef, that's somebody else's department. Yeah. How yeah. could I know that there's beef there um, just because it's next to the seafood and both of them are very clearly visible in the hangar that I own? That so, I paid for. <laughs> this is not the only fun Ollie North plot that involves moving hella blow. Jose Bueso Rosa was a general from Honduras who'd helped make things easier for the Contras because, again, a lot of the Contras are based out of Honduras and based out yeah. of Costa Rica because it's it's easier because the Sandinistas are pretty good at, at keeping their own ground. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he had also, while he was helping out the Contras and giving them space to operate in, shipped a truly titanic amount of cocaine into the United States. And again, he's like running the Honduran military, right? Yeah. That's 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 Bueso Rosa, which is getting funding from the United States. In 1984, he's caught trying to assassinate the president of Honduras. <laughs> a plot was a plot which was meant to be funded with 40 million dollars in cocaine sales to the United States. Damn. When when this guy gets fucking caught, Ollie North starts reaching out to people above him in the White House to beg for him to get leniency, to be like, please push on Honduras to not punish this guy. And and guess what, Rosa? Talk. Yeah, well, because he's going to talk. And guess what, yeah. Rosa, who has shipped a shitload of cocaine into the United States, tens of million dollars worth, and tried to kill the president of his country. Guess what his, guess what his sentence is? Five years at Club Fed. Five years, baby. That's right, baby. Listen, listen, listen. And now think about this. If you watch the Narcos on Netflix, if you Pablo Escobar, this is all happening at the same time. You in Colombia... It's not like you don't know all this shit. So you like, man, I ain't worried at all sending something to Cal- like, Yes, we sending this to Miami. What they gonna say? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Now, thanks to the fact that we know all of this, by the way, all, yeah. most of this information comes from the fact that Ollie North kept a diary, which is now declassified <laughs> and where all of this is written in. In his attempt to protect Bueso, we know he urged other U.S. officials to, quote, cabal quietly all these words to secure wow. him a pardon. Now, North's focus here was nothing to do with with loyalty. Again, Rosa knew no. a lot about the CIA's funding and arming of the Contras, and Ali wrote specifically that he was worried about Rosa spilling the beans on yeah. the war and the narcotics funding behind it. He wrote this in a diary that I'm we have. This, <laughs> dear diary. Again, not a conspiracy theory, just a guy taking notes on his crimes. <laughs> dear diary. Today mm-hmm. was a very interesting day. Mm-hmm. My connect in Honduras tried to kill his president. <laughs> now that he's faced a trial, I'm worried he's going to snitch. So, I'm wishing <laughs> on a star that he doesn't tell everybody about the crimes our country has committed in cahoots with him. Are you there, God? It's me, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> dear, everything dear that's diary, happening. It's me, yeah. Ollie. 
Let me write out the crimes I'm committing in detail. Um, now, everything that's happening here is a big old deal for Ollie North, right? He has staked his career on the Contras. Uh, it's also a huge deal for people in Nicaragua. It is intermittently kind of a distraction for other people in the security agencies, right? The CIA had Casey, the, the NSC had McFarlane. They support the Contras generally, but there's also times where they're like, look, we got other shit to do, and like we like we we can't be focusing entirely on this stuff. So while this is all going on, and this is the period that the Contra stuff is starting to spin up, and at the early stages, that's more on McFarlane and Casey's side than North. He's gonna be central to this, but he's managing Contra shit, right? So he doesn't mm-hmm. come in quite yet, or he's not at least as as involved in it yet. We'll get to that in your episodes. Yeah. But one of the things that's happening big picture here is that There's this constant kind of trickle of stories coming out of Nicaragua, coming out about U.S. support for the Contras, coming about how bad they are, crimes they've committed, villages they've executed, all sorts of fucked up shit. And one of the things that's happening is that Reagan, always very into the Contras, um, never loses his luster for these American founding fathers-like dudes, in his words. But the smart guys, largely his chief of staff, Donald Reagan, recognize that the Contras are a fucking losing proposition for the Reagan administration. Every t- they can see in the polls every time he talks about the Contras, his support goes down. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of what's happening um, as the Reagan administration starts to encounter other issues and realize that it's bigger fish to fry, which leads us into all of the stuff around kidnapped Americans yeah. and the Iran Contra, which we're going to talk about tomorrow on Hood Politics Bastards Behind. Ooh. So gear up get ready to listen to hear stories from some of your favorite reagan administration (laughs) prop not only are we going to get a little bit more ollie north we're going to hear from secretary of state george schultz future theranos board member uh Uh, secretary of defense casper weinberger Uh what a name and of course everybody's favorite guy with a name you didn't think was his real name until you learned that it was john poindexter john poindexter's a real Mm name Mm -hmm. you did you did just call him porn Dexter. Yo, it's about to get so <laughs> Yeah. You were standing mm-hmm. on the wall like you was porn Dexter. That's you right. know that That's one. Right. You know that one, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Do you really? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I should have let it go. <laughs> I made a decision when you started doing the references that I wasn't going to get to try to try to hold up <laughs> to under scrutiny. Try to find but it. I, yeah. I shattered. I shattered That's, like I, the wall underneath. I love Dexter. it because I what mm-hmm. kid, oh. what what teenager has not pretended and full grown adult has not pretended mm-hmm. to know the obscure band you're talking about. Sure. And yeah. Know, we all absolutely the we fucking dire straits or strokes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Bands. Yeah. You have you have multiple times named some bands that I was like, nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. There's 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 too many bands. Look, yeah. Too many bands. Yeah, we gotta gotta trim it down to four. Yes, um, I was giving you a so, little bust a move, bust a little <laughs> young MC bust a move. Ah, okay. you standing on the okay. wall like you was point Dexter. Dexter, mm-hmm. now I have heard of Herc, um, the the guy who does the first hip hop show. Yeah, yeah, cool Herc. Um, yeah, yeah, cool of Herc. Course. Yes, I, I think for a cracked article that I wrote, which is the nerdiest way to know hip. Yeah, I was like, history. wow, don't do. Yeah. Okay, you told me off the art. Okay, <laughs> god damn it. Prop. Speaking <laughs> of hip hop history, yes. Let's I talk am. about your pluggables. Yes. Uh, yeah. Prophiphop.com. I got some new music out right now. Uh, super dope. It's called The Soil EP. That's a part of the Terraform uh, whole universe of poetry and, and cine music universe of poetry, short story. It's a book. It's also a coffee, um, which important for Hispanic Heritage Month or Latino Heritage Month. Um, the Black and Brown Unity. You know, coming out of when you look at the uh, the queen mother on the cover of the coffee can, that's a indigenous woman and an African woman, you know what I'm saying? Black, brown, unity. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, com and prop hip hop, hood politics. It's all up in there. You know what I'm saying? We out, the, we out, the, we out, we out this man. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't even finish the slang reference. You know what I'm saying? Park the core outside. Anyway. Well, check out Prop, check out Terraform, check out Prop's Coffee, check out Hood Politics tomorrow yes. when we talk about Iran-Contra for two days, and then we will be concluding with an episode of Bastards, your fifth episode of our shows for the week, where we will talk about 
What happens after Iran-Contra? What happens after Gary Webb's Dark Alliance series mm. breaks into the mainstream and all of the fucked up fuckery that follows? Mm. You can find me. I have a book called After the Revolution. Google it with AK Press and you'll find my publisher's website or just type it into Amazon or whatever the fuck and you can buy copies of it. Bye. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.